Uh, yo, Wabs. Yo, Lazira, what's up? Not much, dude. Not much, dude. Uh, you know, you uh, you live in Canada, perhaps. <laughs> I I do live in Canada. Do well. Why do you ask if you do live in Canada, and maybe you're interested in some smart home security, or or guess what? Guess what? Or you're looking for Two some uh, phone phone plans. Uh, we've partnered with Telus, and we're bringing you uh, some deals, dude. Oh my goodness. Explain to me right now what those deals are. Well, the biggest one is especially if you're looking for smart home security. Uh, if you uh, sign up today, all right, for a professionally mm-hmm. monitored smart home security plan, you'll receive a $200 bill credit and an additional Philly, uh, $50 bill credit if you use our code uh, in the Telus distributor program. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Amazing, dude. Okay. It's uh, amazing. Tell me what the code is. <laughs> and if if you do, if you want to look at these plans or actually talk to an operator, uh, there you have to call a number. It's uh, it'll be included, all right, in the link below. All right, the website has all this information. Um, but we're gonna say it because it's fun to say, right? Right, Waps. <laughs> we are gonna say it. Uh, and by so, we, I mean you. Me, yeah. So if you're in Canada and you want to look more into these deals, call the number eight four four seven zero one zero four one two. And use our code, our distributor code. This is the big one for these deals. DCC293. There you go. Welcome to the ASAP Weekly Rocket League Podcast, a show hosted by Lazero, the man of a thousand rands, and Wabbit, the fan favorite. This show details the latest news in the Rocket League scene, esports results, and tips and tricks on how to get better at the game, while sometimes they'll just take a random topic and see where it takes them. Thank you all for listening, and enjoy. Hello, welcome back to the ASAP Weekly Rockley Podcast. I am joined today by um, one person that I'm very excited to have on, one person that I'm kind of dreading to have on. Uh, you can, you can, uh, I think you can figure out who it is, but um, yeah, unfortunately, Relentless is on today. Ho- say hello, Relentless. <laughs> All right, boss man. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's it's like, it's a, you know, I'm I'm like the, the, the five-year-old on the playground that can only show affection through a... Uh, Every time I'm on, words. I come bearing gifts. It's either spicy takes or what I bring with me today. Every time I'm on, I come bearing something. Well, our gift, our, our very special guest for today is Michael, also known as T-Now, also known as the co-founder of IGL. How's it going? Going good. Glad to be on here tonight. Um, yeah, today we're going to focus uh, mostly on IGL, um, which I think most, I think it's very much in the Rocket League scene. It's it's a big staple um, for those who like to who like to play regular tournaments, uh, or just you know have some fun, have some have some not just playing rank ladder in Rocket League. Uh, so what I'd like you to do for us now, Michael, is if you can just introduce yourself a little bit. How did you get into gaming? Um, that that's kind of the first thing that we'll ask here. Sure. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm T now, one of the owners of Indie Gaming League, uh, which is a recreational esports league. Rocket League is far and away our largest game, but we also have Apex Legends, uh, Mage Quit, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate in there. I got back into gaming way back in the day. Um, actually, I definitely remember telling this story before. Uh, to I can't remember if it was some friends or whoever it was, but uh, my brother and I, you know, we're probably like seven, eight, nine, ten years old driving on a family vacation. We stop at a Taco Bell and our parents gave us our very first Game Boy. And it uh, was pretty awesome. We had at a Taco Bell. Yeah, because so it was like, ride? Yeah. did you have a whole ride to play? It? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was on the way out. That was where we were grabbing some dinner before the, the trip. And then they, they gave us the Game Boy. We had a uh, game called Torpedo Range and uh, the Indiana Jones <laughs> game. And it was on that huge. It was like a huge brick, uh, the huge brick Game Boy. The original like gray with the green and black screen. That's nice. the one. That is the one. Was, was the Indiana uh jones game like a platformer like your typical like move up and down and and hit maybe use use the whip or something yeah. like what, what was the game it was like? exactly was it, it was exactly that it was a platformer um the whip was like a special power you had to find on the levels which is a little disappointing because you know that's kind of the that's the whole thing of indiana jones he's always using the whip or a gun or something but uh yeah it was it was a fun game it was hard though i don't remember ever beating it 
I, I think that I mean that's one big thing that you know if if you want to take video games from twenty years ago and now is I think that the base difficulty of games has definitely gotten easier. Oh yeah, um, over time, especially a single player kind of you know. I mean that's that's why I think Dark Souls and kind of games like that have their own little place. Eh? Yeah, those games kind of harken back to the older older genres or older games, I guess, where it wasn't always necessarily a guarantee that you were going to beat it. Now, yeah, like a lot of things today, I mean, they want you to beat the game, right? I feel like back in the day when they were designing oh. stuff, uh, they didn't necessarily want you to beat the game. They wanted it to be a, a challenge that you had to go after for months and months. But uh, well, it's funny I kind of like beating the game. <laughs> yeah, with games like Dark Souls, even Dark Souls, Neo, Bloodborne, like any of those really just that genre of gaming that is almost admired for its difficulty the difference ends up being like your character gets better over time is how you, mm. how you deal with the difficulty. You go like way back when, like I even remember, I don't know, this is also a long time ago. Um, like those lion King games and mm-hmm. stuff like that, <laughs> where you're having to like jump on, it's essentially a platformer. And those were some of the most challenging. Your character didn't get better. You just had to get better. That was the only option is there you get better or you stop playing, which was what most of us did. We just yeah. stopped, I just bad. had a wave of nostalgia. I don't know if either of you remember getting a seat like a CD in a cereal box with a Lion King game. Is it just me? I know. Okay. I never got it, but I definitely remember <laughs> stuff like that, like the, the toys in the cereal boxes. Amazing. Amazing. Um, I guess kind of sticking on with with uh, your gaming experiences out of the games that you that IGL currently kind of uh, hosts. Is there any game that you particularly fancy more than others? Yeah. So for me personally, um, I would say out of the the ones that we have, Apex Legends is probably my go to um, compared to Rocket League. I've definitely always been more of like a FPS player. And then Apex mm. Legends is what got me into the battle royale genre. Um I haven't really, I mean, I've played a little bit of Warzone, not a, not a huge fan, haven't done Fortnite or PUBG or anything like that, but uh, Apex was a game I really sunk a lot of time into. Um, so that would probably be my one that I've uh, played the most on like a dedicated level, but Rocket League is the one I've, I've definitely played the longest, um, but I'm more, I'm much more of a casual Rocket League player slash caster slash uh, league and event organizer as opposed to that being the game that I really grind out all the time. I, I kind of feel, I mean, I don't know if this may, may, I don't know if this would necessarily be the case, but I feel like a lot of times when, when you are organizing tournaments and you're casting, then the actual like playing time severely diminished. You know what I mean? Um, although I guess you're, you're putting that time into Apex. So it's, it's not like it's completely, but I always found that whenever I had a million things that, always you know especially if i'm trying to create something that always the the actual gaming time would go down ah uh, yeah um, i would tend to agree with you on that i mean especially whenever you get to see um like you know with igl we have people of all different skill levels so when you're commentating games of people that are just absolutely amazing you're like oh i want to do that and then you hop in the game and you're like oh well i, I <laughs> it's gonna take a couple hundred hours to be able to do that and i, I don't quite have the time time to to, to get that good I just remembered I'm me. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> I will say though, I, I have over a thousand hours of rocket league and I would be willing to bet that probably six to 800 of those are commentating and casting. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, I guess that kind of makes sense when you look at it like that. Um, we're actually going to go now into the question that actually, I think relentless was the reason was the reason relentless really to want to have you on. I mean, I want to have you on regardless, but, um, wow. My, I'm sitting over here. having. To, I was like petitioning Lazier, like, Hey, let's get him okay, on. Listen, let's do something like, listen. let me, let me get somebody interesting <laughs> on for once. And he's like, I guess, I suppose. And now he's like, I wanted to have you on anyways. No, that was full. Of, I had to spend time convincing Lazero that there was no just, time spent. Uh, just me all and the him time talking was, spent was like, relentless going hey this is a really cool guest we can have on do you want to have him on and then i you know maybe gave it a day or two that i'm like sure (laughs) that's usually how it goes um i think for me more than anything and i mean i mean i know relentless knows this it's like i i have waves of inspiration and waves of well well if someone just you know comes to me and says hey i want to be on the show maybe i'll say yes 
I mean, most of the time I'll say yes, especially if you've done something as significant as uh, <laughs> being the creator, co-founder of IGL. No, the reason, but I, what I want, do want to say here is that the region that, that Relentless really wanted to have you on um, is that originally the plan for IGL and what, what IGL stood for, uh, there was a different vision originally, and I thought that was super, super fascinating. Um, so I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about that, about where IGL kind of started from. Yeah, so uh, I guess back in the day, um, we basically started it with just like the idea that um, we wanted a league that everybody could play in. And mm. we kind of, my myself and my co-founder, Kyle, or uh, Commissioner Smash. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm Commissioner T now, he's Commissioner Smash, right? Uh I love the, the the two the names um, you know the in game names or whatever but um, Kyle and I had wanted to start something that was very similar to how things exist in uh, recreational sports where you can sign up for like a kickball league or a softball league or whatever it may be um, because we didn't feel like that really existed at a large scale in the gaming industry. Um, there's a lot of leagues and there's a lot of tournaments and there's all kinds of opportunities to play, but there's tons of restrictions around that. Maybe it's like a draft league and you can't bring your friends in and play with them. Maybe there's only like 12 teams that can participate. Maybe you don't get sorted into a skill tier. So you're just getting beat up by people who are way better than you. Um, there are just so many issues we saw with the different leagues and tournaments. Well, I, I shouldn't say issues. There was a certain way that we felt like worked really well in the sports world um, that we felt should exist in any sports. And so that's why we started Indie Gaming League. And our first league had, I think, 34 teams. It was only a doubles league. Um, and now today we've grown it to where there's typically 2,000 to 2,500 teams participating with, you know, 3v3, 2v2, 1v1, extra modes for Rocket League, multiple regions. Um, it's been really great to see it grow over the years. And I think for the most part, we've held pretty true to what that initial vision was. I mean, anybody can sign up. You just need to bring your bring your team, bring your friends, and, and you can participate. And it's been uh, pretty great growing it. Uh, for the last, you know, three years or so. Now I could be, I could be immensely wrong. Um, was indie gaming leagues, like, did it start off as like a regional thing of like your local area or was your guys intention always to be, um, you know, at this point international with where it's at? Was it, was it more focused? Cause again, I could be vastly wrong. I thought it was like an Indianapolis or Indiana league was where it started and then it grew into something greater than that. Mm -hmm. No, it definitely did. Uh, it definitely did start uh, in Indianapolis. And yeah, that's where the name comes from. Indy is for, uh, short for Indianapolis. Um, and that was kind of the initial vision. Um, the initial vision wasn't necessarily to make it a local league only for Indianapolis, but it was to have more um, like a network of local leagues. So you'd have like Indie Gaming League, Chicago Gaming League. Orlando yeah. Gaming League, you know, just just gaming leagues for all these different cities. Um, and it would all kind of wrap into one gigantic network, you know, makes it easier to find people that are local to game with while still getting the chance to sort of compete in that online manner. Um, and yeah, that was kind of kind of the initial idea. Um, but we always wanted to expand it like worldwide and nationwide. Um yeah, I mean, as we as we got going, uh, I guess I wouldn't say that that's I, I, I'll never say never, I suppose. But uh, with the current way we've been doing things and breaking it down into more like regional base, like U.S. East, U.S. West, Europe, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we just realized that it was just much easier to um, kind of have one entity that housed all the different teams and all the different players as opposed to trying to break it down into those hyper local um you know, hyper local leagues. And of, of course the idea for that, again, going back to the idea of like intramural sports here in Indianapolis, we have a, an organization that runs, um, you know, all, all the intramurals and the rec leagues around here. So we were like, Oh, we'll be the version of that 
uh, for esports, and there'll be one of those in you know all the different cities. And uh, yeah, it just uh, it, it just kind of got easier to just sort of keep it all in one place. People were familiar with the indie gaming league brand. Um, that's sort of what people gravitated to. And we definitely have a lot of people that are, um, really passionate about Indianapolis and the local area. And, you know, before COVID we were doing meetups at, at Tapper's arcade bar here in Indianapolis. And that was kind of a, a fun thing for the local community here. Um, but we just, uh, yeah, kind of decided to bring it more towards like, it's one big league. It spreads across the nation, across the world, as opposed to breaking it down into the more uh, hyper-local setting. Now, um, you guys have, I mean, first of all, like, lucked out with the name Indie Gaming League. You know, you get really, you guys were the right region to start it because with with the way it rolls off the tongue and having the idea of Indie can also mean independent and all these kind of different things, like, you, you have so much flexibility with that. So you really lucked out with the name, first of all. That ends up working out great for you. Um, but at what point did you guys kind of realize that this is no longer local? Like this is definitely something that's national can grow international. Cause I know for me, I mean, the first I heard about it was a, a sunless video would have been, I don't know, something two years ago, three years ago, uh, along those. And he's like, I do this thing. And, uh, and that's when it kind of like, Oh, something like this exists. I don't have to just grind ranked and lose there. I can lose in a league with people <laughs> that I care about. Um, and so when did you guys kind of have, and you may not even have it yet, but like that aha moment of like, oh my goodness, this this thing has grown into such a more significant thing than we first envisioned. Um, you know, we can really take this somewhere. It can, it can blow up to something even grander. Yeah, so I would say that that actually happened pretty quickly um, because when we first started IGL, it was more, hey, let's try this. Let's see what happens. It'll probably just be uh, some of our friends and maybe a handful of people were able to, to reach through social media that we don't know who will participate. Um, and then we got connected with Sunless um, and he was willing to do some video shout outs for us in the beginning. And he's he's he uh he played for like two or three years and he's still been pretty involved with us even from the beginning but obviously his uh his life has changed a lot as his content career has just taken off over the years and um he doesn't you know he doesn't have time to play in the leagues on a weekly basis anymore um but we got connect when we got connected with him that's what brought a ton of teams in for the very first league um and then the second league we went from like 34 teams to like 70 teams and at that point is when we kind of realized okay this is there's there's really something here um and we actually ended up that towards the end of that second league um we ended up leaving our jobs and and doing this full time so we've been doing it full time since pretty much december of 2018 um whoa so sorry yeah. that, that that's big uh, that's so awesome yeah it was uh <laughs> it was a big move but it's definitely you know it's it's paid off and we're excited to be doing it and there's there's a lot of uh cool stuff that we've been working on um i've got indie gaming league and then our, our newest newest product beyond ranked uh is basically a platform that connects event organizers and esports casters um so we're pretty excited for that. But um, I think one one last thing here to touch on about like when did we decide to really like expand or keep, keep uh, you know, when did we think this could take it to the next level, I guess. Um, for expanding to like the different regions, it was, I think we just started doing it whenever we would see enough people um, being like, oh, I wish you had this for Europe. I wish you had this for West. Because um, initially, I think for the first maybe three or four circuits, it was only US East. At least that was like the time zones and the servers. And there were a lot of people from Europe that were playing in it uh, from the West Coast as well. So when we kind of started seeing demand bubble up, we just said, all right, uh, let's let's try it. Let's see what happens. And we would open up registration for like 3v3 Europe, then 3v3 West. And we just kind of would incrementally add things. And if it stuck, then... We kept it, and if it didn't, then you know it kind of fell off as as we kept moving. But whenever we saw that there were, were people that were interested, that's whenever we just decided to try expanding to some of these new areas. 
Well, I mean, I've been trying to quit my job and do this thing full time, but Lazero will not pay me enough. I don't understand. I've asked for it and he just won't pay me. So, um, you know, one day. <laughs> hey, listen, dream. listen. Okay. I'm not saying that, you know, we've, we've very recently, you know, perhaps maybe got some sponsorships on the horizon. Um, but if you can live off like, you know, 10 bucks a month, then, uh, we'll see, we can, we go see. <laughs> no problem there. I mean, you can get like a, uh, it's like 10 for 10 pasta box, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I mean, uh, just make it, you know, go get a, get a buffet token and never leave. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So you mentioned, you mentioned beyond ranked and I remember, you know, smash had reached out to me I, or even that you may have reached out to me cause I had done the IGL casting for some time and you reached out to me as that was happening, um, you know, during kind of the beta phase and you guys have now I'm, you know, expanded, you see all over Twitter and, and everything that it's going on. Um, kind of take us through the inspiration for beyond ranked and what you guys envision for it as you continue to move it forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the idea for Beyond Ranked basically spawned out of out of IGL. Um, when we were doing IGL for the first, you know, three, four, five circuits, uh, Kyle and I were pretty much doing all of the casting. Um, and eventually, as we were adding more teams, it got to a point where we really could not keep up with everybody who wanted to play on stream. Um, so that's when we opened up the community caster program where we had people from the IGL community offer times on their own personal streaming channels and people playing in IGL could sign up and get their games on stream. Um, and that was huge because number one, people, more people got to play on stream, which they were absolutely thrilled about. But number two, it gave tons and tons of people the ability to get into casting because again going back to some of the problems we taught we saw with with some of these other leagues and tournaments um there's just not op there's just not always opportunities for everybody like a typical league typical tournament they've got their two three four casters they'll stream you know two nights a week it's like four hours total whatever it is and that's it so Maybe say there's a league and it's got like, you know, 20 teams in it. There's four of those teams playing on stream every week. And there's two lucky casters that get to monopolize those three hours. Right. But with Indie Gaming League, with this community caster program that we started, I mean, we it was like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 casters hundreds of teams playing every week, hundreds of matches being broadcast. It just really opened up the floodgates for if you want to be a caster or if you want to play on stream, IGL is the spot. Um, and I, yeah, go ahead. You know what I'm kind of curious about yeah. here um, is I feel like sometimes there's so many casters of IGL, right? Um, and I wonder if sometimes you feel like it's gotten to a point that there's people that are like really active that you haven't even heard about. Is that ever, have you gotten that big or is that not quite <laughs> uh, following everything? I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely know, I, I know all the casters because I look through the applications. So I'm at least familiar with everybody's name. Um, is there anyone, oh, sorry, hold on. Just quick question here. Is there anyone who even like look at the application and you're like, <laughs> well if there if when there is yeah i mean yes we don't accept every application so uh they would they wouldn't be an igl caster if that's yeah, if that's speaking, my response speaking of which uh excuse me you denied my application my first one that i sent to you i don't know in 20 uh would have been at this point like 2018 2019 i sent an application and i got denied and i need to have a talk about this because at this point in my life I'm officially an RLCS caster. It's happened. <laughs> and how dare you not have that vision for me when I first applied? And, you know, like I just, you know, got to talk about it. Yeah, you may have accepted my second application when I sent that in three months later. But no, that first one. What? Oh, my goodness. Okay, hey, look, look, at, look, at better, look at how much better it made you. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that rejection, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> 
No. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had several casters who, uh, their initial applications actually, I mean, most, a lot of people know the mustache. Um, yeah. he's casted RLCS as well. He's a really well-known caster streamer, really popular in the IGL community. Um, I rejected his application the first time too. And I gave him some feedback. Was it the and, mustache? Were you a little like, did he, you know, like, was it a little creepy? What did I say that again? Sorry. I didn't hear well, you. Was it the mustache? Like it was, were you like, I don't know if I can create a brand around a mustache. Like that's, that's a little much for me. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. It was entirely that <laughs> <laughs> actually his name, the mustache, uh, came from, we, the, before the very first IGL league that we had, um, we ran a really small LAN at my house and it was, I mean, it was a total disaster. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing, but everybody had a really good time. And a lot of those guys stayed in IGL for a really long time. Uh, but one of them was the mustache. And when I, it was a twos tournament and I was asking him and his partner, I was like, what's your team name? And they both looked at each other. They didn't really know. And his partner looked at him. He was like, we're the mustache. And ever since then, he, 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 I don't remember what his original username used to be. It was something electrician related because he's, he's in the uh, electrical business. Um, but he's, he's been the mustache ever since. I want to actually ask you as well. This is just kind of a curiosity because it, I like the, the theme, the, the focus is it's kind of like, you know, recreational. It's, it's, it's indie, but I feel like there's still a hundred percent people who get really toxic in, in your league. Um, do you ever find like, how do you deal with those situations is, is I guess what I'm curious about. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pr- going to be pretty typical and um, we do our best to, you know, we do our best to basically get rid of those people whenever we do, you, do you arbitrate or do you like, do you have the kind of the casters help out? How does that kind of work out? Um, yeah. So myself and, uh, a couple other people handle basically all of like our support email. Um, honestly, I, I shouldn't even steal their thunder at this point. I, I have stepped away from doing a lot of that. So there's a couple guys from the community that are, are handling that. So they handle most of, um, reviewing situations uh a lot of it is you know pretty cut and dry right like if somebody's doing something really inappropriate or just cussing somebody out i mean there's no deliberation needed on that one right it's just we we ban their accounts on the igl website and out of the discord and they just can't play anymore um but if there's certain situations that are a little bit more you know, need a little bit more review. Maybe we'll issue like warnings or something. It kind of depends. Um, for the most part, I think we've done a pretty good job of, of cultivating a relatively positive environment, but whenever you get so many people in there, of course, it's, it's hard to, uh, know every single thing that goes on when there's thousands of teams competing every single week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I just find like, you know, with, with, Within the game of Rocket League, within the actual system, obviously the, they need a reporting system because there's no way anyone could track that, right? But if you're in the gaming league, you're you're kind of the this like you have to be able to follow that, which I I could see as a lot of work. Although um, I guess maybe it's a thing where where you kind of you know have a backlog of a hundred things and you like you know do them one day and then you wait a week or so, you know, like you probably find a schedule or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just kind of working through stuff <laughs> a bit at a time. I mean, we've gotten the league to a point where it, uh, um, you know, we've gotten the league to a point where we have a lot of good processes in place and we know what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, you know, when we're answering various emails, all, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, we, we've, uh, we've kind of figured out a good system that works for us over the years. And, you know, we just try to make improvements to that whenever, whenever we're able to. Um, my kind of question now for you is, is what, where do you see kind of indie gaming league going in the future? I know you're working on, you're saying kind of connecting casters to organizations with beyond the, uh, um, what was the, what was the name there? Beyond Beyond Ring. Beyond Ring. Um, and, but yeah, with, with indie gaming league, is there, you know, other games you're wanting to expand to? Is there, um, other potential things you want to look into? What, what's kind of your future for that, uh, your vision for that? Yeah, so I think with Indie Gaming League, um, we're pretty happy with the, you know, we're pretty happy with the community we've created and the idea of everybody being able to play games, um, you know, bring your team, have fun. We're, we're pretty happy with, like, the idea and the the structure we've created. 
I think in the future, we'll definitely look to continue to try to find ways to, you know, maybe expand to more regions, add other games. Um, right now, Beyond Ranked is definitely something that we're, we're placing a lot of focus into um, with connecting, you know, the casters with different organizers. So uh, that's that's going to be something that's getting a, a lot of focus going forward as well. Um but I guess just for, for IGL specifically, I would anticipate, you know, in the future, adding more, um, adding more games would probably be the biggest thing, um, which is definitely a little trickier than it just sounds. I mean, there's all kinds of restrictions and, and guidelines or I guess like terms of service basically around Mm. who can run leagues, what type of format you can do all that. Um, just for example, like, uh, League of Legends and Valorant, um, you're not allowed to run leagues. Um, so we we don't do those titles, at least not for for IGL. Um, but they have like, you know, they have like licensing deals at like the high school and college level with companies like Play Versus, and I think there's a few other ones. So those are like the official league providers of Riot, and other people aren't, you know, always necessarily allowed to to jump in there. Um, so it's just a, it's an interesting area to navigate and, you know, sometimes terms of service change, maybe stuff will update and, and, you know, I'll, I'll have no idea what I'm talking about, but just for different, <laughs> different things we've seen, we haven't looked into League of Legends, uh, a ton, uh, but Valorant is definitely one that we've looked at. I mean, it's a really popular game and a lot of people in IGL were, were mentioning that. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, we kind of try to add stuff whenever we see a good amount of feedback on something. And we did, we did do a pretty good look into Valorant um, and, you know, was even able to, to exchange some emails with somebody at riots. But unfortunately at the end of the day for that one, um, you know, it's just not something they allow people to run in a league format. So, uh, you know, long explanation of kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, (laughs) but in, in short, you know, we, we definitely want to add more games in the future, but uh, getting getting stuff all set up on our end and making sure that we're within the terms of service and, you know, making sure that we know enough about the game and what formats we should run and all that. There's definitely a little bit more upkeep than just slapping a game on the IGL website and telling people to go sign up for it. <laughs> well, I mean, you for guys sure. are taking chances on things, right? Like, you know, one of the things that, and, and it may be because of Valorant being a more high-profile game versus some of the other games that you guys have tried being less high-profile. Like, you guys did, like, Brawlhalla, Killer Queen Black. Like, you guys did a lot of games that are much less well-known, uh, but taking chances on different things. So do you find that you run into more of those roadblocks on the games that are, you know, more coveted titles, uh, and then you end up having a little bit more freedom on those less known games or is it really just kind of hit and miss and you guys are going to just take chances on anything that you kind of find that like, Hey, there's a competitive aspect to it here. Yeah, I definitely think the smaller titles, um, give you a lot more flexibility. So the indie I N D I E, uh, titles, um, we've actually really, really enjoyed getting a chance to work with a lot of those companies. So, uh, we have mage quit right now. Uh, we used to have Killer Queen Black and Quantum League were two other uh, indie titles that we had. And in all three of those scenarios, we worked directly with the game developer um, to run those leagues. Actually, in the Quantum League one, um, when that, that game, they've, they've stopped doing development on that game. But uh, when we were hosting Quantum League, um, they put a IGL skin in the game that you would win if you played an IGL. So it was, it's really awesome working with some of the smaller studios and there's a lot more flexibility and, um, you know, a lot more support, um, whenever you can just communicate with them one-to-one on a, on a daily basis. And I think that's, I think that level of support I'm sure is there for the, you know, the larger studios, the AAA titles, but it's obviously not as easy to get in touch with somebody there. And of course, all the people all the people at the, the larger games are, you know, working hard on all kinds of projects and they don't, they wouldn't necessarily have time to just, you know, chat with somebody who's running a league for a, a couple thousand people. Right. Like that's, that's nothing whenever there's 150,000 people playing your game on a daily basis. Um, so I think, and, and yeah, yeah, I mean, also when it comes to those larger titles, um, it really just depends on what they, 
what what restrictions they have set out. Like with Rocket League, um, even very early on, there really aren't, weren't a ton of restrictions around leagues and tournaments. Um, even before we came along, I think that there were two or three pretty uh, pretty well established leagues with like minor league esports. Um, United Rogue and Rocket Soccer Confederation, um, all three either started around the same time as IGL or a little, or were established a little bit before. Um, I want to say they were all, all established before, but, um, you know, when there's already, already kind of like a presence there, it's much easier to, to get in there without having to worry, um, you know, about the developer necessarily cracking down on it and Rocket League's. Uh, terms and community tournament guidelines were always very friendly towards organizers. Um, so it just kind of depends with the larger titles, basically what um, what these these publishers decide to do. Um, like with Apex Legends, that's one that has pretty favorable um, terms of service for event organizers as well. And I know even over the last year, they've been updating their terms of service to allow um, tournament organizers to, to like start making money off of, um, sponsorships and generating revenue through other means. And, um, that's something that they've kind of loosened up the restrictions on within their community. So of course, you know, people have been, been pretty happy about that. And, uh, you see a lot of different, you know, apex tournaments popping up here and there. And it really just kind of depends on what the, the publisher wants to do. Like some of them will just, you know, like Rocket League, Apex Legends, they're they're pretty friendly as far as, hey, just go ahead, r- run leagues, run tournaments, do whatever you want. Um, whereas others, it's not that they're not friendly. Um, it's just that they would prefer to control the types of, you know, competitive events that are, are going on within their community. Now, I'm surprised that Apex Legends is as community friendly as it is kind of given the natural roadblocks that you do see with the higher profile games because it came in with such a high profile because of the success that Fortnite was having and apex was really hitting on that battle royale it was kind of the you know middle ground between something cartoony and something more um call of duty-esque and so it came in with a lot of hype kind of like what valorant did where it immediately had an impact on the gaming community um, so I was su- I'm surprised at how community friendly it was in comparison because like Rocket League almost was the opposite like it was it's a very much a grassroots like it grew from such a small portion of players to I mean you know a tier one level esport or borderline tier one level esport and now it's grown to such a degree that it's you know known across all the gaming community versus just like a group of people to say oh yeah hey, i've heard of that game um and so i'm not surprised that like psionics at the time was very friendly as you guys were kind of starting all of this but it does surprise me that um apex legend was as user friendly as it was for that kind of experience uh my next general question ends up you know because i've been around igl since i think i mean it would have been Maybe it was maybe it was 2019. It may have been 2019. Yeah, the the only reason we ever picked Relentless up is because he said, uh, you know, I'm I'm an IGL caster. I'm yeah, like, I'm kind of a big deal. Credibility, prestigious. Uh, <laughs> that's huge. Yeah, very prestigious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and it still really is. Because... Well, it's kind of okay. Hold on, hold on. It's kind of true though that it. I think you you've definitely gotten to the point in the community where people will hear igl caster and there there is a prestige behind it and i think that's that's worth something right i mean yeah, I'm, so I'm really many. happy to hear that that's yeah it makes me i mean it makes <laughs> me really happy to hear that and i do think that um i i do agree i think there is a certain like like it means something right that you you do cast for a league um and i'm happy that we've been able to to create that experience for so many people um in no way shape or form will i ever be like oh, we're absolutely the best. And like, this is like, this is where, you know, you go and it's like all the top tier, you know, it's not like that, but we're a great entry point. You can get as much experience as you want. You can cast some high level matches in IGL. Um, and it's just a really good starting point to, to help you take those steps to the, the higher level as, you know, Relent- Relentless can attest to you, casting, casting RLCS. I mean, 
uh, IGL, <laughs> IGL is not, you know, we, no, we will never be RLCS, but we can give people an opportunity to get started and they can take that and, and, you know, go wherever they want with it. Well, it's so funny because, um, my, my experience to get to RLCS, it's from, it, it was like my, uh, my first or second rocket league match I've ever casted. I casted a team that was just playing against uh, one of the teams that was in the same franchise that I was in. And so I was like, yeah, I'll cast one of the, you know, one of my franchise's teams. I'll stream it. Like, that's fine. I don't care. And then they enjoyed it, even as bad as it was, because it was pretty terrible. Uh, I might be able to even, like, find it on YouTube or something like that. It was pretty terrible. <laughs> um, but they enjoyed it. And then I became IGL caster. And then uh, that same guy from the other team was like hey can you cast our igl semis and finals and they and they made it through the finals and they had the name 72 pc in their uh like in their name and i was like ah they're just like you know kind of latching on to 72 pc's like name like they have no affiliation and then like in the chat all of a sudden like the official coach for 72 pc and the owners of 72 pc are in my chat like watching this game and i was like it's all, it's all funny because it started from me being a terrible caster and these guys having zero standards for their casters and saying like yeah we still liked him somehow and uh and coming back but then me being with igl gave me the opportunity to cast their oh, semis all right let's let's stop with this faux modesty okay? no i'm not kidding like Listen, i'll find it on youtube I, it was terrible no, no, okay okay but i think I think being personable, even if you're a terrible caster, if you're no, personable. No, it was bad. It was bad. Shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there is that. But, um, you know, speaking of franchises, that was going to lead me into my my other question. You know, like, I remember when I was starting, there was probably like 20 total franchises. And this, again, was when Sunless was super into it. Nito was super into it. Uh, Widow, Flume, like all of the big names. So you only had a handful of franchises um, and the owners of them were generally pretty involved. It was pretty prestigious to get a franchise. Like you guys have had these going on. I even actually tried to get Lazero to pay to have a franchise for ASAP weekly in there. Um, and he wouldn't do it. He says that's like six months worth of show profits. So I can't do that. And it was like, it was like, it was like 20 bucks. I mean, I either pay relentless or I pay for this thing. Uh, (laughs) But you guys have so many franchises. (laughs) So the, uh, so the franchise like are are, do you guys see them utilized as much as they are or as much as they used to be or like what do you guys use like franchises and stuff for if somebody was going to um be interested in potentially starting their own little igl franchise and they get a group of teams under them like what do you guys you know what's the use for the franchises there yeah so i think franchises uh within igl they're a really good way if you want to build up your own community, um, whether that's, you, you know, whether whether you want to take it really seriously and actually try to be a legitimate esports org um, or it's just, you know, five to ten friends who, you know, you have that that name and that banner that you always play under and you're, you're playing an IGL and you want to track all your your trophies and roster and all that. Um, it's just a good starting platform to basically say hey i i have this this esports org this esports franchise this community whatever it is and we're playing an igl and here's all our teams here's the trophies we've gotten over the years um you know you can see like when the matches are how people are doing when people are playing on stream um i would basically recommend the franchises to anybody who thinks that they kind of want to take it um you know, they kind of want to take it to the next level with how they're organizing their teams. Um, If you're just like one team, then yeah, I mean, you probably don't need a franchise. Uh, Could be cool for you if you want to, you know, track your achievements in in one place over the years, if you're playing an IGL a ton. But we see people who have multiple teams um, get a lot more value out of it. And, um, you know, it's basically just like a, a... digital landing page where you can can sort of see everything that you and your organization have accomplished and 
um it's it's something that's really cool you know some of the franchises that have been in igl for a while just have tons of trophies and i remember a couple so i mean i haven't looked recently but a couple circuits ago i think there were a couple few of the franchises uh were kind of leading the charge with like 15 16 you know 17 or so igl championships over the years and they get to see all that in their their trophy case uh on their franchise pages so it's just a really cool thing if you've got like a community or a bunch of teams and you're an esports org um, to 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 have a spot that sort of you know memorializes everything that you're you're doing in IGL. Um, nice. So you know to bring it back then just quickly. I know we we've, we've been talking about casting uh, a good portion of the episode, but you know you've spent you spent all kinds of times you you view you know, plenty of applications and people that aspire to be casters for IGL and, and then as they evolve and get better and better. And even yourself, as you've had to do it over the years and, you know, people really like being on that Indie Gaming League ch- channel, being casted by the founders of Indie Gaming League. And, you know, it is kind of a you know cool little moment for them. So what have you found maybe as one going to be the challenge of, people that are trying to become casters, you know, what's some of the common traits you see of people that are successful or people struggle with, and then even yourself, you know, as you've kind of grown, what do you think has helped you become more successful a more, make you enjoy it more and then make your audience enjoy it more? Yeah, I think, um, so as far as what the challenges are, I think getting, um, finding those opportunities to get started is definitely one of the biggest challenges, um, which is why I'm glad we have IGL and beyond ranked to give people that, that starting uh, springboard to, to get in there. I mean, we have, I don't know, like a thousand, 1200 matches happening every week. So there's no shortage of a need for casters, right? So we're always happy to bring people in, but I do think that, um, that can be really hard for a lot of people is just, you know, if, I mean, IGL is pretty big, but it's not like everybody in the world knows about it. So if you're a caster and you're just getting started, um, it it can be hard to find those opportunities to get the practice in. And then of course, when you do start it, get started, um, it's going to be tough at first, you know, it's, it's not always going to be great. You're not going to immediately step in there and sound perfect and know everything to say and know everything to do. Um, so you just gotta, you gotta keep practicing. I mean, some of these, so the, the very first IGL streams were just horrible. I mean, they, it's probably some of the worst casted rocket league you could <laughs> well, ever that I mean, it was bad. It was, it was, it was really bad, but, um, you just keep practicing, you know, you just keep, keep honing your craft and and doing the best you can to improve. And I think some of the people I've seen that are really successful um, just are always looking for opportunities and they're always practicing. Um, you know, they're on Twitter and they see somebody posting about um, needing a caster. Boom. They're, they're, they're responding to that, right? They're, they're getting their highlight reel out there saying, Hey, I would do that. Um, or if they're like, if they, when they were first starting off, um, you know, they're looking for very small leagues and tournaments that are just looking for volunteers and they're getting in there and, and making sure that they can find a, an opportunity to get involved and, and get some practice in. Um, and I think, you know, some of the casters as well will watch their watch their VODs back and see the different things that they said and think about what they can do differently. Um, I think one thing that is really important with casting and you know probably it's a trap that i fell into all the time is kind of having that go-to phrase that you'll always go back to or that you say multiple times throughout the cast so if you can figure out and isolate what your go-to phrase is when you're streaming and, and sort of cut that out from being said 10 15 times a cast to you know just two or three that that's huge right there too. So <laughs> just, uh, it's, I mean, it's so cliche. I feel like everybody gives what, are, what are some common ones. If you can give us, what are, what are some common ones you feel? Uh, some common ones I would say is like any, um, 
any sort of just like common, uh, I guess, bridge phrase for lack of a better word is like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of, of what like a, a common one would be, but like whenever, whenever the commentators are, you know, they're calling the match and they say like, Oh, I think this is going to happen. I think that's going to happen. I feel like you keep saying, I think over and over again. Right. Or, mm. um, maybe you, I don't know. I'm trying to, I, I actually haven't cast in quite a while, so I'm trying to think what, what mine <laughs> was, but, uh, um, has anyone ever said, you know, uh, every time they looked at a corner, they just they just got mesmerized by it. Has, has that been a reoccurring phrase? Sorry, I'm just like, <laughs> he's he's throwing some inside jokes. I may or may not have made some um, questionable oh, out of context <laughs> questionable uh, statements about what people do when they're alone in corners. Um, <laughs> and, and let, let's just say it's a, it's a not safe for work, happy mistake of my life. Um, <laughs> oh no, Flux is getting <laughs> at us. Yeah. Yeah. But it, no, it's, uh, I, I definitely agree when you're looking at, you know, people that, that they get stuck in a rut of saying the very similar phrases either throughout their games or throughout the same game and it could be bridge phrases it could just be mannerisms in which they choose to repeat over and over um and part of the re- you know part of the help for that is you know going back watching your vods finding out what you liked and didn't like about um about it but um that's going to be definitely a common thing but it, it's hard to go back and listen to your own voice talking about rocky league man i like i sound so stupid how do people like this it's a it's a challenging thing to go back and do but it can definitely be helpful if uh if you do spend that time to go back yeah i mean any any time you can get more practice in and anytime you can go back and review that practice it's it's only it's only going to help in the long run but it is a difficult thing to do um I know when I go listen to this podcast, I'm going to be like, I, I hate the sound of my voice. I can't believe, you know, that, that people want to listen to this, but, uh, that's just, you got to get over that. You know, you got to get over that if you really want to improve and, and yep. take the time to, to listen to that sort of stuff. Just think about it this way. You could sound like Lazero and then you would really hate the sound of your own voice. So it's, uh, it could always be worse. <laughs> that it could. <laughs> uh, to, I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I've never had that problem. I'm gonna be honest. Um, you know, call call it what you will be, but uh, I, I kind of got used to it. Um, I think there's a lot of people that will go on shows and, and then just immediately be like, "I can't listen to my own show." I, I, you know, I got over that pretty quickly. Is what I'm saying. Um, to switch gears a little bit, right? I mean, we've been talking about IGL this whole time, um, but looking at your overall, you know, your perspective as it comes down to Rocket League because you get to view it from a different perspective than say the traditional fan or traditional content creator where they're looking at your potential numbers or updates and how it impacts them individually. You kind of get to look at it from a different angle. So, you know, with that perspective, um, what's your take on the, the current state of Rocket League? You know, how do you see it where it's at? How, you know, where do you see it going? Like what's your, kind of opinion and perspective on the state of rocket league as it is um overall i I think it's pretty good um i know a lot of people lately have been saying oh the numbers are declining and there's not enough content or that you know whatever the common concerns are nowadays um but, <laughs> whatever the plebeians yeah, say. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean i i guess the reason i phrase it like that is just because i mean I, okay, I, I'm going to be 32 in October. I've been pl- I I had played World of Warcraft starting at the age of like 13, and people have been saying World of Warcraft is going to be dead every single year <laughs> I was playing it, and it's still it's still there and it's still killing it. And obviously, there's all the stuff with Blizzard Activision, and now it's in a pretty rough spot, right? But like people, if you look on Twitter and Reddit and where any social media, the 
common every game every dying, game's apparently. dying there's there's not a single game that's alive according to the internet you're fortnite you have a consistent million million players you're dying yeah it's not gonna exist it's gotta so, be the echo chamber of those platforms right somebody says it's dying and then someone's like no i think it's pretty good and then you just get 50 people that are like no it's dying and you're like well maybe it is yeah yeah <laughs> no, no i mean well, seriously that's exactly, it's exactly yeah. how it goes but it's way easier to to look at the the negative side of things because there's definitely a little truth to some of that stuff, right? I mean, uh, it's really easy to look at something and say, this needs to change. It's very hard to actually be in there working on that and figuring out how to, how to change that. Um, but well, I, I think this actually might be a great segue because, um, I don't know if you've heard, I mean, they haven't announced it officially, but, I'm gonna be honest. It 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 does come at a at a pretty good time. This leak of the Unreal Engine Five being released. Have you heard of this? Have you have you heard of of this thing? The community recently they they found out that Unreal Engine Five Rocket League is being worked on. I did I did uh, see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think I mean I think well, I kind of feel like when this all this Doom posting started, somebody should have. <laughs> leaked it uh you know just like uh just like deadpool you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the script of deadpool um you know just just to ease people's things but never announce it officially don't say anything but like have it be in some official like forum response and uh and there and then boom all of a sudden you're you know people are, are happy again um i i yeah what do you what do you think of unreal engine 5 uh and its potential i guess for the game um, I mean, I got to be honest, when it comes to like the actual coding and programming and how games work, I know basically nothing about that. Um, I'll give you <laughs> I'll give you the quickest the quickest possibility of things that might change. Um, you know, uh, essentially the game physics I and mean, this is one of the biggest things that they are kind of I mean, not necessarily concerned about, um, but because they're going to play around with the physics, like the field, the game might change even if they don't want it to, if that makes sense. Mm hmm um so that might be a big thing but the other implementations is probably why like you know maps and all those like custom game stuff that we've always wanted has never been implemented um i think there's a great potential for those things to be implemented with unreal engine 5 um at least at least from my two seconds of, of research that i did before this got it <laughs> yeah i mean i would say just based on hearing that um I think overall, I would I would probably probably be for the change for switching to the newer engine. Um, I think up, upgrades are good. Um, I think this entire idea of Rocket League being upgraded to to a new engine could uh, kind of sparks an interesting conversation about just games in general and how they're gonna survive over the years, right? Because like you look at a game like CS:GO same same old same old it's it's killing it and it's still kicking and it's it's doing everything it needs to but um as like other games that are getting a little bit more modern and then we're continuing to develop technology at a much more rapid pace is there going to be a need for games to essentially release a 2.0 version that's on the latest unreal engine or uh, are games just going to kind of stay on, on the platform that they were originally created on? I think it's a really interesting, interesting discussion that, mm -hmm. that could be had, but overall I'll just say, I think it's, it's for 99% of the player base, an upgrade to unreal engine five. Nobody, nobody's going to know at all. <laughs> yeah, this, this might be like a year or two away. Right. Mm -hmm. But I feel it'll, it'll definitely kind of feel like the freedom. I mean, I don't know if the numbers will be similar, but it'll be that same kind of feeling um i'm sure of, of the community being hyped for it at least uh just just so for some reference all right unreal engine 3 was like the uh the program was a release in 2006 uh um and this unreal engine 5 is literally early access is just starting now so it's it's like we were using technology even when this game was released that was 10 years old already mm -hmm. Uh, and so now it is, uh, yeah, it's, it's much newer. I'm, I'm going to reserve the more technical talk, uh, for, 
uh, for maybe when I go more in depth <laughs> in it, I'll look into it. Maybe ooh, the next guest just get like a computer science person. To yeah. the get Lethemir um, on. Why don't, why don't you just do that, yeah, Zero? Why don't yeah. you just yeah, do yeah, that? Just get Lethemir on. Look, yeah, I'll get I'll get Lethemir on, and you'll still complain about me being on this episode. I don't even care. <laughs> um, you know what's so funny? You you you. T- I I tried to give him a compliment, and he just couldn't accept it. But every time I give him like. <laughs> Like some kind of like uh, insult, he's like all happy to like you know keep it keep it keep it keep the flow going. It's um, who I am as a person. Uh, no, I think Unre- <laughs> I think Unreal Engine Five is going to be really interesting uh, to see how it's developed because I even saw like a post from Lethemir pretty much stating that like with Unreal Engine Five they have to rebuild the entire game from the ground up. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. something where they can just like well let's just build off the progress we've already made. It's like no, you have to recode the entire well, game. And that's, sometimes that actually lets you do, do stuff that you that you used to not be able to do right yeah um because because i mean at least at least in the you know i may have started you know in university in computer science i may have uh, i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say i'm an expert but i did start in it and one thing that you kind of realize is there's a lot of stuff you can't do because of previous code that you're like building upon. Uh, you so, don't want to break so, everything below it. <laughs> so you just exactly. got to like, you just like, okay, I accept that. This is all I can do. I am looking forward to the level of decals and any kind of textures that do, that do impact the car, the worlds that can you're you playing in. you just have in. consistent coloring, please? <laughs> okay. You want sky blue if to I match sky the yellow blue? shade. <laughs> um, I, I am looking forward to, to some of those because I think a lot of the consensus is around decals is it's getting stale. Um, that the best time for decals, like, was two years ago and it's just kind of gotten stale since you have the occasional I mean, when you have ten thousand, yeah, you don't care it's, you know it's it's definitely challenging to always come up with something new Except, okay random side note i don't know if you've heard of the decal bleep bleep but three people within the last week have asked me what that decal is because no one's ever seen it so bleep bleep new new original authentic decal what's up <laughs> i don't even it's the one with the alien it's like the you know, uh, retro game alien. I have to go like look it up as we're doing this. <laughs> um, but I, I p- people were like, I've never seen that decal before, and I have three people. I've never had anyone talk about my decal before. All right, ever. Okay, and three people commented on it. This wasn't six man, so I, they actually were able to talk to me. But anyway, <laughs> um, I mean, this was an IG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is going to be. Know, I think that's it, one thing it, that's it, great about the Rocket League community is there's just so many good leagues and and like I know, providers I, and all of that. So, stuff. Sorry, they're fantastic. Six man's toxic. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a lot of yeah. fun, but it's also toxic. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah relax. do you have any, any kind of final, final thoughts on there on that on um no i mean just overall i think textures for decals the worlds all that stuff is going to become a lot more interesting uh, i think they tried to do interesting worlds in which to play in and i think it really bit them back pretty hard when you looked at the uh the one the one playable world where it was all the speakers and everything from what last season or the season before um, mm-hmm. and it got so much backlash because it was difficult to play in the, the visuals made it very difficult to have good depth perception and good consistency in your reads. And now you're, uh, you know, w- when you can get better textures and more, you know, more field of depth and all those things, it's going to be easier for them to create really unique environments in which to play in and unique textures for your vehicle. So I am looking forward to that as it evolves. And it'll be interesting, again, how it relates back to IGL is, you know, some of what maybe the casters are able to do visually with their own streams with the level of um, graphic stuff is going to be interesting to see. So that's, that's I, my I will overall say, input. though, like some of the features that Rocket League does have when it comes to in-game features is pretty cool. The spectating is awesome. All right. Do you know how many... I don't, I don't know when. The, okay, maybe maybe one of you can inform me if the spectating has been like that from the beginning. Probably not, right? Um, but I I think that like the the auto director mode, like the director mode, is great. Um, I think like the fact that you can go into replays and green screen it and then put random stuff in it. I thought there's a lot of cool features they already have that um, can even be more accessible, perhaps uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rocket, I think Rocket League kills it with all the 
you know, all the different spectate features they have, the in-game tournaments. I think they're in a really good spot and they're moving in a, in a good direction. So it should be exciting to see what happens over the next few years. Well, I think it's interesting too, because like when it comes to all these games, a lot of games need observers, people kind of dedicated to following the action around, right? Like literally your, your cameraman kind of, you know, or, or producer deciding which camera angle to use while Rocket League, we just click a button. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I think that's what um, makes it really hard with battle royales. Um, you know, that that's why they're, they're probably the most popular genre. Um, or at least they were, you know, somewhat in somewhat recent memory, but they're not always necessarily the most popular esport. And I think a big part of that is because it's just so hard to, to spectate them. Um, I mean, I, I think e-sport job, growth, it's hard. I definitely think esport growth and, and the game's own growth are not like something that follows it another necessarily mm-hmm. um i think esports i think esports that kind of grow organically over five years you know five to ten years do a lot better than we're a big game that's really successful right now and now we're gonna make an esport that works you know yeah <laughs> um <coughs> overwatch league um so <laughs> so uh yeah yeah for sure um i think we'll actually we'll actually start closing out here so uh, i want to thank um michael for being on here uh and and sharing all your opinions I'm, I'm hoping especially some of the stuff about uh kind of creating igl and, and the casting behind the scenes stuff um our listeners really enjoy i like to thank relentless for being here um begrudgingly um, <laughs> uh real, really, real quick uh, before before you start cutting out um <gasps> wow dude <laughs> tina went you know people that are interested in and joining IGL for this upcoming season, right? You guys have registration going on for the fall season, correct? That's correct. Yeah. IndieGamingLeague.com. I-N-D-Y. Registration's open. Threes, twos, ones for East, West Europe. And uh, yeah, Apex Legends, Mage Quit also in there as well. So anybody can sign up. You just need a team. Bring your own team. They will not assign one to you. That was something I learned uh, before my first season, I was I replied to like a Twitter message because you guys had like retweeted somebody's like looking for members for this team. And I was like, I'll join the team. And I replied to Indie Gaming League's Twitter. And they're like, no, you got to like go find it. Like <laughs> go message them. Like we're helping them out, but go message them. Don't talk to us. So um, yeah, so bring your own team. Fall season coming up. Hey, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, also thanks uh, to... The people who make uh, this possible, um, they no longer pay relentless as a salary, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but they make it possible. And we thank you so much for your dedication. Our patrons who support us and special shout out to our roll call patrons of awesomeness, cursor, glorious zombie, I drink Clorox paint, Raz, like Mopco and Vance. You guys are awesome. Um, the, yeah, you guys have found out that I know a famous person. That's what the patrons have found out on the most recent recent Patreon show. So uh, there you go. You can you can uh, you can join if you want to figure out who this famous person is. Even though I said I wasn't going to say who the person was, I accidentally end up saying who the person was. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think we'll end it there. Usually, we give our listeners some kind of homework, something something to think about during the week. Uh, you know, some, something to do during the week. Register for IGL. You, That's your homework. I, like I was going to say, I think I think the homework for anyone who's looking to uh, to change it up to have some rec league fun uh, with Rocket League uh, to sign up for IGL. I'm just, quick Google search will get you there. Bring your friends, have some fun, um, and yeah, I think that'll be great. All right, from all of us here. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.